2020 NFL Draft is now behind us and we're already transitioning to full off-season mode. That means talking about undrafted free agents. That means talking about who's going to fit where on the roster, who is getting cut, and who can get signed during this extended period despite being in a very odd situation with coronavirus and not being able to hold OTAs and rookie minicamp. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum here on the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. Today's show, we're going to be recapping and discussing some of the big-name undrafted free agents, a number of draftable guys that even made the list of players to join the Giants through undrafted free agency, as well as Marcus Golden's recent movements with the Giants and potentially returning this upcoming season after a 10-sack campaign. So Chris, going right into this very first headline that broke on Monday night, that the Giants are placing the unrestricted free agent tender on Marcus Golden. And if you don't know what that means, folks, that just means that the Giants have exclusive rights to Marcus Golden's contract. If nobody signs Marcus Golden by July 22nd, he is locked in to play for the Giants for a contract a little bit over $4 million. So like I said, 10 sacks in 2019, relatively productive as a pass rusher and was pretty much most of the Giants pass rush last year. Chris, is this, you know, is this really a a smart move for the Giants to try and work, work their way back and keeping him? You know, I'm at this point. I'm not sure <laughs> because, frankly, we I kind of only just found out this tag tender even exists because it's something teams just never do. This is honestly the first time I have ever heard of an NFL team using this tag. You know, I have a feeling the teams don't use it because the players m- m- absolutely must hate it. It. In fact, they probably hate this more than the franchise tag because the the Giants have basically said, if you don't get signed before July 22nd, you are playing for us and you are playing for us for just 10% over what you played for last year. And Marcus Golden wants to get paid. He played well enough on a prove-it deal last year, he proved that he can still play. He might not be a number one pass rusher, but he is a player with value. Even though he, the, the Giants worked and schemed to, to get him one-on-one matchups last year, they really did help him get those 10 sacks, but he still got 10 sacks. And he is probably worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to $8 million on the open market. But for a few reasons... I think a lot of which are have to do with the fact that players and teams can't they can't meet players can't go do workouts have interviews go through physicals like they normally can so there is a lot of uncertainty right now and that is probably what is keeping Marcus Golden, Jadavian Clowney, a lot of these other guys that are kind of surprisingly still free agents on the market. So the Giants have basically said if you can't get signed you will be playing for us. And I have to say, just from a personal, that that just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, and honestly, with with Marcus Golden, he was already playing on a pretty cheap deal for a one-year prove-it deal. According to Spotrack, his calculated market value is around $13.5 million in average annual salary. So that's a lot more than 
what he's going to be getting under this tender if hypothetically the Giants end up sticking with him. And, and I think that a lot of what comes down to this is, and you kind of touched on it, is how there's an, an inability to bring guys in, do medicals. He recently, previously, and early on in his career had issues with a knee injury. So that might be really holding up teams and being overly willing to go sign him. I think the other thing too is I'm not entirely sure if Golden is really worth near 13 million. Uh, understandably, 10 sacks is great production, but he's probably a little bit closer to 10, if not cheaper, for a team that really, really needs some pass rush. And we were talking before the show, it really just seems like an attempt by the Giants to set the market on him. Nobody has really made an extensive effort to bring in Golden and offering him the deal that he's looking for. Otherwise, he would have been signed by now. So when you do something like this, you're, you're setting the market for him. You're, you're essentially telling these other teams that, okay, we think he's worth around $4 million. If you want to pay more than that, feel free and go ahead to. If not, we're just going to keep him. Yeah, and I think it is a little bit convenient that the Giants decided to use this tag on him after rumors surfaced that he had been having conversations with the Lions with regards to a contract. I believe those had taken place kind of over draft weekend. So perhaps the Giants got wind of what the Lions were interested in paying him and decided to maybe try to, I don't know, to set a price on their terms as opposed to letting the Lions set the price. This probably will not net the Giants any additional comp picks because they did sign quite a few free agents this year. So they they signed more guys than they lost. So they're probably not going to be getting any compensatory picks. I suppose for a one year from the Giants pers- strictly from the Giants perspective, if they could get Golden on a cheap deal, that would work out for them. Speaking of unsigned veterans, recently cut center from the Seattle Seahawks, Justin Britt is currently on the market, and admittedly, we've had some inquiries from the Facebook page asking about potentially signing Justin Britt and bringing him on, and we spoke of before the draft and during the draft that the Giants made no moves to bring in a center, a starting caliber center to compete with John Jalapio for that position. So that left a bit of a hole. They did draft Shane Lemieux, who we have speculated being a a transition player from guard to center that they're going to try and work in. Probably not start right away, but he was the only player that, that was drafted that resembles anything of a center. So Justin Britt was one of these veterans that were the casualties of the post draft cut down of trying to get down to that 90 man roster. Very talented player and at one point was one of the better centers in the league, but right now a six-year vet on the older side towards the end of his career. According to the Washington Post, he's only allowed one sack and 11 penalties over four years, but has been relatively consistent on on both ends as a pass blocker and a run blocker and was graded as a 62.0 this past season by Pro Football Focus. So Britt right now seems to be a, a decent available option for the Giants if they chose to bring in a veteran center because, like I said, there's no one on the roster right now that really seems to be the answer of who's going to step in and start right away besides John Hoppio, maybe Spencer Pulley. Yeah, the, the Giants really do have questions all over their potential candidates for the center position. Jalapio is coming off a ruptured Achilles, and that's a significant injury. We His quickness and movement skills were questionable before that injury. We just 
don't know how well he'll be able to move afterwards. And movement is important for a center. Quickness is important for a center. They have a really high athletic requirement. You you need guys who can I work double teams with the guards who can snap the ball and get their hands up in time to deal with a nose tackle. You need guys who can get out and space and pull or work off double teams up to the second level. Centers are asked to to do a lot. They're not just big guys who are who are rocks in the middle of your offensive line. They're they're not the offensive version of a nose tackle. We have seen Jalapio and Spencer Pulley have both had their issues at center. Neither one is a player you I think you should really want or feel comfortable with as your starting center. We don't know what Nick Gates is like as a center. Yeah, he had he had some nice play at right tackle, but right tackle is not center. That it's a position he might be working at, but he hasn't he hasn't faced off against Aaron Donald or you know, he soon to be Neville Gallimore or Fletcher Cox or any of these other really good interior defensive linemen. And again, the same with Shane Lemieux. We don't know if he has the movement skills, if he has the quickness, if he has the agility, the athleticism to play center. Videos of him snapping are fine. It, it, we we know he is physically capable of doing it, but you know, there is, there's kind of a world of difference between doing it in shorts and t-shirt on Instagram and doing it in a live game situation with some very large, very athletic man coming to hurt the guy behind you. So having a guy like Britt who has done it at the NFL level, he's done it against some of the best defenders in the league. He's done it against Aaron Donald. He's done it against the that San Francisco defensive front. He's done it in the playoffs and he has been effective. If it, if not perfect, he has at least been effective at it. And you know, the only problem there is he is coming off of a torn ACL. So again, we'd have to wait until the Giants are able to get a medical report on him, or really anyone is able to get a medical report on him to find out whether or not they should pursue him. But they should at least be interested. At least I think so. Certainly having interest in Justin Britt makes a lot of sense because the Giants, like we just broke down there, do need some help at the center position. And I'm sure that they will at least reach out and not... Uh, I got to start that point over. I didn't like where I was going with that. <clears throat> Certainly bringing in a veteran like Justin Britt makes a lot of sense with fixing the center position and potentially maybe they will reach out to see what he's like and maybe if they if there is a possibility down the line to do some medicals, make sure he is all 100%. But if we're just looking in terms of how the offensive line room is right now, it is a bit crowded. They would have to make some moves to get rid of some guys. They did just bring in two more undrafted free agents in addition to the three guys that were drafted. So don't fully know if Britt can completely fit on this roster, but he seems to be the best available center right now if the Giants still want to make that final move to solidify and fix the offensive line at the final most important position in the very middle of it. To wrap up today's show, we are going to transition to talking about the 15 undrafted free agents that the Giants signed. But before we get to that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Giants signed 15 undrafted free agents right after the 2020 NFL draft. And if you're keeping count, folks, they're over the 90-man roster limit. That They're at 94 guys right now on this roster. So there are a ton of players, but this group of 15 is surprisingly very, very talented. And the one thing that was very surprising about this year's draft is that once we got to the seventh round, there started being a number of guys that were considered to be priority undrafted free agents that were drafted and then a ton of draftable prospects that did not even get selected at all. There are even some guys right now that were draftable that are currently sitting on their couch without any opportunity or any contract with any team. It has been a completely odd draft process because of what we're dealing with COVID-19 and all of the implications that it has incurred. And a good example, though, if you're wondering, you know, who are some guys that are sitting around right now? A guy that was invited to the NFL Combine, Alex Peachin, Bucknell punter, is currently unsigned. He said that he's waiting for the perfect opportunity, but still, the fact that he is currently without a a, a, a considerable contract being arguably the best available punter is pretty odd. A guy that was considered to be drafted. There's a, there's a ton of weird situations and it kind of helped out the giants here that they were able to snag a bunch of FCS and small school players in this undrafted free agent wave. Yeah. And the undrafted free agency is, it, it, it is a little bit different than the draft itself. It, the, Various teams have to lean on their area scouts, the relationships they've built up over the course of really their seasons going around visiting the various schools, talking to players, talking to coaches, but not being able to bring guys in for workouts, not being able to have area workouts, not being able to go visit them one last time at schools for pro days, that really does have an impact on all of this. That being, that being said, we there were at least some who were not expecting the Giants to be terribly active in undrafted free agency. And it as it turns out, they were very active in undrafted free agency. They actually have more than 90 players on their roster, at least preliminarily. You know, they're, they're going to have to cut players to make room for all of the guys they have just acquired. They've they just picked up 25 players over the weekend. And the Giants got some guys who really do have a good chance of sticking, not just with the practice squad, but with the main roster. 
Yeah, and if you if you look at the circumstance, and I think you, you mentioned there that you didn't really think that the Giants were going to be overly active in undrafted free agency. They had four seventh-round picks, so uh, some could consider that three of those seventh-rounders were supposed to act as part of the undrafted free agency. So, heck, you could even move this this number of 15 guys that they brought in to 18 if we're just speaking in, in in terms of what some of those picks were, especially that Tay Crowder pick as Mr. Irrelevant. So there are a lot of guys that they took during the draft, but still went out and were able to find all of these draftable quality players. We had uh, four guys that stood out to, or three rather guys that stood out to us that could have been draftable. And that started off with Kyle Murphy, offensive guard from Rhode Island, who was a teammate of mine this past year. I was really excited to see that he's going to be an, a New York Giant, but more excited to see what he brings to the Giants. And what he does bring is the perfect swing guy that can play multiple positions in a pinch as a backup. And I, I firmly believe, despite some people already saying he's not going to make the the, the final 53, I think that Murphy will will be a great candidate to make the 53. And that's not a bias of of who he is as my as my former teammate, but rather who he is as a prospect. He played four of the five offensive line positions in his time in college from left tackle to center to guard. So if you need a guy that can step in and play in a tough situation, maybe not this year, or, but long term down the line, Kyle Murphy is the perfect guy to do that. He has experience doing all those things. He can snap. He can do very, very, uh, you know, very well at a, at a decent quality level. He's not going to be a starter, but he's what you're looking for in a backup—a guy that has positional versatility across the middle of the offensive line. And that is really important because teams can only have just so many offensive linemen active on game day, and if you can have one lineman who can back up three or four positions, that is really useful really good to have there have also been some a few big school players picked up who could be guys really worth keeping an eye on i would say most notably the uh the two receivers from ohio state uh benjamin victor and austin mack kind of reminds me of a maybe a poor man's martavis bryant you know he's tall listed six four but also kind of whip thin only about 200 pounds, got long arms, big hands. He's got some pretty good lower body explosiveness. What kind of sets him apart is once he gets moving, he is really moving. He isn't too quick off of the line, but once he gets to about 10 or 20 yards downfield and he can start lengthening his stride, he just eats up a ton of ground and is going to surprise defensive backs on vertical routes. Again, a lot like Martavis Bryant. And then Austin Mack, he is a little bit smaller, but also, well, I should say a little bit shorter, but a lot stouter. He's again, has long arms, big hands, so he has a good catch radius. And he is not a bad route runner. Yeah, he's a guy who can separate with his route running and win in the intermediate area of the field. Yeah, he was never a big part of the Ohio State passing game. I, I don't know if he ever had 400 yards in a season, but for a team like the Giants who have a lot of questions, and if you want to look at it this way, a lot of opportunities in their wide receiver core, either one of these guys have an intriguing skill set that they could find a good a good place for in their offense. 
Yeah, and we were talking about how disappointing it was the Giants didn't go out and get any wide receivers during the draft. And I think part of this might have been that they were starting to look and see this group of guys that were starting to slide off the board and were going to be undrafted. The Giants probably thought to themselves, hey, we don't need to waste these picks. We can go and grab some guys that are similarly rated to some of these guys going in the seventh round and just wait and be patient and see who's available. Austin Mack, Ben Victor, they ended up being there for the Giants to snag up. And then another receiver that is considered to be a, an absolute oddity as a prospect, that is Ryson John, wide receiver from Simon Fraser in Canada. He was a hula bowl participant, but the reason why I say he's an oddity is not because he's from Canada, but because he's six foot seven and 237 pounds. He also reportedly ran a 4.640 at a, you know whatever workout he ended up running that at, but still, if maybe they want to transition him to tight end or leave him at, at wide receiver, that is a huge freaking dude that's playing uh, playing receiver or tight end for you. And he's able to move at 4'6 speed, which is pretty unheard of for a guy that size. But also another player to me that I think is a legitimate candidate too to make the roster why we included him in these notable players is Nico Lalos Edge from Dartmouth, who tested pretty well athletically during his pro day. Uh, was a top performer during the Hula Bowl as well. Overall, just has a lot of good traits. Seems like a really hardworking kid. Obviously smart because he's coming from an Ivy League program. So right now with Marcus Golden, yes, coming back, there's not really a ton to go off of with the edge position. So he could end up shocking and surprising some of these drafted guys or some of these guys on the roster in finding his way at the end as more of a special teams type depth player. Yeah, and... That really is how most of these undrafted guys find their way onto the roster. Yeah, Every once in a while, you have a guy like Victor Cruz who just kind of bursts onto the scene, but that's rare. Yeah, most of these guys will be trying to prove themselves and having to prove themselves every day, every practice. And hopefully they will be able to carve out a spot as a backup, a end of the roster, a special teams player. But if you get your foot in the door... That's really all you need. Once you're in the NFL, it doesn't really matter how you got there. Granted, high round picks will always get more chances than late round guys. But once you're in, if you can prove yourself, coaches are watching. They're paying attention. If you can prove yourself, if you can make plays, they'll give you the opportunity to help the team. Last player that we thought was really notable that the Giants signed an undrafted free agency that was considered to be one of the most top priority undrafted quarterbacks was Case Cookus out of Northern Arizona. And if you happen to follow the FCS level, you know who Case Cookus is. He was a Walter Payton Award watchlist finalist and was also an All-American for his performances this past season. He threw for 4,000 yards and 31 touchdowns, kind of a... a, a Less, slightly less productive version, I would say, of Joe Burrow at the FCS level. Not comparing him to Joe Burrow, but just saying that he statistically led the FCS level in passing, to, uh, was one of the top in passing touchdowns, as well as leading in, in passing yards. Just a really talented big quarterback at six foot four. Everyone was talking about the arm talent that he brought to the table and what he could very well potentially do. And we were talking before the show that. I really think that Cookus is going to give Alex Tanney a run for his money. I don't think this is bringing in a fourth guy just to fill out the roster. I think that Cookus has a ton of potential and could develop into a very, very good backup quarterback for this roster. Cole McCoy is not going to be here forever, and it's good to keep around a young guy like that. 
Hypothetically, if he doesn't end up beating out Alex Tanny, you could keep him on the practice squad for a year or two and then decide to make that move forward if you get rid of Colt McCoy or Alex Tanny. But I really like all the tools that Case Cookus has, and having high-end production in his time at the FCS level is pretty good proof of that too. Yeah, and we had talked before the draft about whether or not the Giants would add another quarterback because you know they've got three on the roster right now, two veterans and Daniel Jones. Well, having a young backup, a guy they could develop as a backup, is you know that's always useful. It's great to have veterans in the room, but having a young backup who can be inexpensive, who can grow and you know just kind of be there is good thing to have as well. And you know you never know when you can flip the guy for picks. You know that's something the Green Bay Packers and Philadelphia Eagles have done in years past with their young backups. And you know if the Giants could get an undrafted free agent, develop him, have him really show some things during preseason, then perhaps a year or two down the line they can flip him to some quarterback needy team and really reap some good profits from that investment. Yeah, it's a good point is that there's a lot of things that can happen in this in this meantime. This whole week is the time for them to make those adjustments, those potential moves to get rid of guys. Heck, I don't I wouldn't even rule out them them signing more players. There's potential for them to go and get more rookies if they really want to because of the oddity of the situation right now and how things have been handled. It's a much slower process than it typically has. So don't be shocked if they sign some more players. Don't be shocked if they cut more than they need to. There's going to be a lot of shifting back and forth. But that today was our our talk about the biggest name guys, who's going to be let go, all of that good stuff. On the Friday episode, like we have been typically doing, we're going to do one more mailbag for the offseason just to hear your questions about the NFL draft. If you have any thoughts, anything, we can definitely address them. Feel free to send those questions into our Facebook page or DM Chris or I at Joe DeLeon or at Raptor M-K-I-I. Also, folks, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you are listening to the podcast. Please give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, Don't just hint at the fact that we think that uh, uh, Leonard Williams is only worth $5 million. Uh, Additionally, be sure to rate, uh, follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Raptor M-K-I-I, and also at Big Blue View. Stick around for Friday for that next edition of the Mailbag Show.